Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. Now we are all that remains. Though we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. We've made great efforts to restore this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Welcome back, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. Myths, legends, and spooky stories told around the campfire are an ingrained part of the very fabric of Appalachia. However, we know the monsters are real. In an isolated corner of the Savage Divide, the Sons of Dane came face to face with a creature from the pages of folklore. In the end, when the music stopped, all that remained was a cold wind blowing through an empty compound. Now, an old automated message brings the story of the Sons of Dane back into the light. Investigation and elimination of cryptids is vital to securing the future of Appalachia. But is the Colonel ready to face her fears, or will she repeat the mistakes of the past? Good evening, team. Any unusual activity? Several ghoul incursion attempts along the White Springs perimeter, ma'am. All repelled by the security forces. Uh, Modus conducted two orbital strikes, one in Welch and the other in Clarksburg. Infestations were eliminated in both locations with the assistance of Team Epsilon and Gamma. Normal Scorch Beast activity around Fissure Site Prime. Listening posts report no other changes. Very good. Carry on. Yes, yes ma'am. Ma Hey, Jones. How's the knee? Have you put in for your transfer yet? A lot better now. The doc gave me a clean bill of health, too. Spoke to the colonel herself just yesterday, and she opened up a slot in beta team. They're already planning on backfilling with the latest crop of recruits. Some folks who got picked up down in the ash heap. They were trying their hands at pulling ore out of the burning mine. What? Were they crazy? That place is overrun with mole miners, and hell, it's on fire! <laughs> yeah, some tough SOBs. It was a group of old maintenance workers from the vault, actually. I guess they figured dealing with a lot of us for the last 25 years it was enough experience to tackle just about anything. I heard the colonel personally pulled their bacon out of the fire, literally, and brought them back here. It's great to see so many familiar faces around here. Hell, just yesterday I ran into John Clark, our old science teacher. He's working down in R&D now. That old buzzard? I'm surprised he survived a week after Reclamation Day. You'd be surprised? Heard he'd use his knowledge of chemistry to make some pretty sweet improvised explosives. Team Kappa picked him up after seeing half of Somerville blow up. He'd accidentally ignited some of the left-behind Corvegas with fusion engines still intact trying to get away from some super mutants. Said the boom could be heard all the way back at Flatwoods. Oh well, I'll miss these reunions and all the stories. I should hear about the reassignment by the end of the week. Beta's being sent to track down some old post-war faction called the Brotherhood of Feels or Steel or something like that. <laughs> Steel, you idiot. I know. Just having a little fun. Sounds like a snipe hunt to me. Oh, thanks. That's just what I need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, boys. Get on those relays. Pinpoint, isolate, and translate. 
Appears to be some kind of automated message. System is triangulating. Status. Ma'am, Modus is intercepted what appears to be another automated transmission. We're working to identify the source and the contents right now. Transmission source is north. Appears to be in the Savage Divide. Another minute or two and we should have the location. Private Jackie, notify the colonel. Yes, ma'am. Triangulation complete. Map coordinates coming up on the screen now. Oh. Deep in Indian country. That part of the divide is bad news. Getting the first data relay now. Modus is processing. One moment. Transcription coming through. Sons of Dane. What or who the hell is that? I have no idea. Download everything and get that analysis finished. The colonel is going to want to see everything. Yes, yes ma'am. The former residents of Appalachia heavily utilized the surviving automated message and radio systems in the area. Even before Reclamation Day, Modus was actively monitoring transmissions emanating from all the different factions and regions, related to everything from casual conversations to emergency calls for assistance. After the incident with Colonel Santiago and damage to many of his systems, Modus could only passively record these messages. But now that he has access to new members, the more interesting of them can be investigated. One which caught Modus's attention was from something called the Sons of Dane compound. Search of his old records showed that these Sons of Dane were part of an anarchist group which set up a base of operations in the upper portion of the Savage Divide. Recon from the Kovac Modun satellite confirmed the location of the compound, which was made up of multiple large and small structures. Mm -hmm. Although the transmission was detected at irregular intervals, the only signs of life in the area seemed to be roving bands of scorched, ghouls, and supermutants, which infested most areas of Appalachia. However, further analysis of the transmission appeared to point to cryptid involvement. While there were many strange new creatures in the wasteland, these cryptids seemed to predate the war, which made them of particular interest to Modus. The Sons of Dane transmission referenced something called the Night Stalker, which the AI was 85% confident was the cryptid called the Windigo by the region's former inhabitants. The colonel had experience with this particular cryptid, as it was the catalyst for the unsatisfactory results from their first expedition to the Atlas Observatory. In fact, this was the reason Modus was most interested in pursuing this creature. He wanted to see how the colonel would react, and if his investment in her was worth the time and effort. Good morning, Modus. The room monitors flicker as the AI starts pulling up maps, data, and other information. An orderly entered and handed the colonel a small package of documents. She quickly skimmed the contents before turning her attention back to the screen. Greetings, Colonel. We have a new priority mission, which we believe you are uniquely qualified to undertake for us. The main screen switched over to a wide view of the Savage Divide before zeroing in on a small group of buildings. This is the Sons of Dane compound. As you may be aware, we have been intercepting a variety of transmissions from the area. The following was received four days ago. This is Dane Rogers with an automated alert. An unknown dangerous creature has been sighted in the vicinity of the Sons of Dane compound. This thing's been attacking the Buck's Den Beer house every night while we party. We call it the Night Stalker. It's killed some of our best guys. Polly says the loud music was pissing it off. So we can make a ruckus to draw it out here and set up an ambush. Hell, if some beast's gonna put an end to our good time. 
We're fixing on blasting on the jukebox and loud instruments as loud as we can. Even rigged up some old busted instruments to shake around and beat on some of those ferals we caught. That should all make a proper ruckus. Something about all them particular sounds seems to be sending the son of a bitch into a blind rage. Any good hunters out there want to stop by and help us kill the Night Stalker tonight, you'll be rewarded in all the beer and partying you can handle. Message is set to repeat. Before our unfortunate reduction in assets, these reports were once actively investigated and provided our former members with a wealth of information which assisted in our research. Colonel Valeria frowned, laying the briefing packet on the table before responding. Modus, while I understand the prerogative to try and understand many of the changes and, of course, creatures populating the wasteland, this is fairly thin information to send a team out to the middle of nowhere. From the sound of it, these raiders got themselves so blind drunk, they probably got wiped out by a bunch of radstags. We disagree with your assessment, Colonel. It is with a high degree of probability that these sons of Dane met their end at the hands of a creature which you have met before. Modus, you don't mean... A Wendigo, Colonel. The side of Valeria's face twitched, wrinkling the scars and eye patch, which were a constant reminder of her last encounter with a Wendigo. She still had nightmares where she could only watch as the foul beast lunged towards her, claws outstretched. We calculate that your unique experience would add to the chance of successfully capturing or killing such a creature, should it still be in the area. Valeria looked back down at the briefing documents and then back up to the digital map projected on the rear screen. It was just like Atlas. The compound was in the northern part of the Savage Divide, even further out than the observatory had been. Her teams were mostly committed to other assignments across Appalachia, securing technology, meeting with other small settlements, and acquiring more information on fighting the Scorched, which meant that this landed in her lap. Her father had told her once, a long time ago, that the only way to conquer your fears was to face them, because otherwise they would consume you. But was she really ready for all of this? All right, Modus. I'll start assembling my team. Have you gone completely insane, Colonel? Not at all, Captain. These are the types of threats we're supposed to be eliminating. And it just so happens that I don't mind getting another bite at the apple, too. Bite at the apple? Colonel, I was there at Atlas. One of those things nearly killed you. Yes, Captain. I'm well aware. But we were unprepared before. That won't happen again. And here I thought Lilith was bad. Fine. If you're dead set on committing suicide via cryptid, then I'm coming with you. Not this time, Captain. What? I need someone in charge back here. Just in case something does happen. And you are, literally, the most experienced officer we have. And who are you taking in my place, if you don't mind me asking? Muller. Hmm. All right. That's a good choice. He's the obvious choice. Power armor is as rare as... What did my mother used to say? Rare as... Hen's teeth? Is that right? Yeah. That's the old saying. 
And until we can get more of our own, well, he's the best equipped, should we get into any trouble. I'll also be bringing Lilith along. I figure she's got a bit of her own score to settle. Although I've already told her to tone down the explosives. Oh, heaven preserve me. Your mind is made up, isn't it, Colonel? We can't just run and hide, Captain. And I won't ask my men to do something I'm not prepared to do myself. Besides, we've learned a thing or two since Atlas. Fine. But I'm going down to logistics and having a chat with Captain Reynolds. If you're heading out into the middle of God knows where to fight these monsters, then I'm going to make sure I check all the equipment myself. Captain, thank you for understanding. You get a pass, Colonel. I'm not happy about it. But I get it. And you better promise to come back in one piece. Otherwise, Dr. Harefield will pitch a fit again. <laughs> That's not to say I don't need your help. That compound is pretty far away. Let's head down to operations and find the best way in and out. Deal? Hell, it's the least I can do. All right, Colonel, let's go. Hi, I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. That had been over a week ago, and now the Colonel found herself and her team overlooking what the Mac designated as the Sons of Dane Compound. From this distance, it wasn't much to look at, as it was nestled between the road heading north and the hills to the east. Behind them had been an old radio tower overrun with a small group of super mutants. Lilith had relieved her boredom by taking down the mutants almost single-handedly. Valeria pulled out her binoculars and gave the compound a once-over. The compound looks infested with scorched. There are some rudimentary outposts and fencing by the road, a main house, and scattered trailers. The bigger building in the middle appears to be our main target. Two stories, some decorations, some kind of shooting gallery up on the side. Well lit? Might be the location mentioned in the recording. The sergeant major crawled up next to the colonel to take a look. Pretty defensible position, colonel. No wonder they set up there, the hills to their backs, but I guess that didn't help them. What's the call? <laughs> now we get to kill things. Larry rolled her eyes and brought the binoculars back up. Lilith, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're here to investigate, not burn the place to the ground. If this Night Stalker is around, I'd prefer that we find it first, not the other way around. We don't have a hell of a lot to go on. 
other than the transmission. Since it's daylight, I want you and the sergeant to go scout the perimeter. Look for any obvious trails or tracks, and stay hidden. There are more than a few scorched down there, and we don't need any of them riled up before it's necessary. You've got two hours. Be back here before dark. Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. The colonel could hear the two operatives crawl backwards down to rise. Are you really this sure of yourself, Valeria? If this Night Stalker is real, it took down an entire camp of heavily armed men. And you were sure about Atlas, too. Valeria shook her head to chase the thoughts away, though there was still that itch that sometimes kept her up at nights. Well, along with the nightmares. But if this was to be the reckoning she needed, then so be it. Below in the compound, there was no discernible pattern to the wanderings of the various scorched. Some appeared to be still as statues, while others walked between the buildings. She was too far away to hear anything distinct, but every once in a while, the wind would carry the sounds of hissing and incoherent ramblings. She could hardly believe that these things were once the residents of Appalachia. Colonel took the opportunity to expand her view to the areas around the compound. Her view to the south was mostly blocked by the hills behind her, but to the west she could see a valley which cut through this part of the region. The main road passed the compound north to south, and she could just make out some kind of settlement or structure across the road in the woods. To the north, the road was blocked with wrecked vehicles, and in the distance, on the horizon, the very faint outlines of the Red Rocket Megastop. The only word which came to mind was isolated. Her closest team was two days away, far to the south, and information from the Kovac Muldoon had identified a fisher site not too far from here. Stein had helped her identify their egress point should everything go pear-shaped, and the radio tower they had cleared in the morning would provide a fairly defensible position too, if necessary. As the sun started to set, Valeria started preparing her weapons and rearranging her ammunition for the move into the compound. Right on schedule, both Lilith and Muller appeared out of the brush, slinging their weapons and settling down next to the colonel. Report. A whole lot of nothing, Val. I walked and rewalked the parameter and found plenty of game trails, but nothing that looked out of the ordinary. It's really quiet out there. Like, super duper quiet. I couldn't even find anything to eat. I'm so hungry. He's right, Colonel. It's too damn quiet out there, like all the animals just decided to pack up and move. Pushed a bit further north, and there's definitely some kind of cave or something up there, and you can see the Fisher site, too, so we definitely aren't in Kansas anymore. Kansas? God love a duck. Okay, you two. Doesn't leave us much to go on. Other than we head down there and see if we can find any evidence of this Night Stalker. While you were gone, I counted about 30 of those scorched in and around the compound. Here, here, and here. If we can create a diversion at the gate, we can get them all headed in that direction. Now, Lilith, you can put on a bit of a display. Nothing super big. We don't want to wake the neighbors. But big enough to get the attention of the vermin around here. Understood? Lilith smiled and nodded, thinking about what a glorious big boom it was going to be. She knelt down and started pulling various explosive concoctions out of her backpack. And Sergeant, you'll be with me. Once Lilith pulls the gate, you and I will head straight to that first trailer. With your power armor, I want you to go straight through the side. I'll cover you from the rear. We'll need to clear that big building as quickly as possible, so head there next. You take right, I'll take left. And Lilith, just keep their attention on you. Don't get cocky, because we have no idea how aggressive they'll be. 
Try to save Melee as a last resort. Understood? Oh, I don't want to play nice. I want to get dirty, and I'm still hungry, Val. Lil, don't be stupid. We're Helen gone from the nearest support, and I plan on getting in and out as quickly as possible. I know you like to play with your... food, but this is serious business. We have no idea what we'll find out there. Muller just chuckled. Watching the two of them was like watching teenage girls argue over clothes or their hair. Of course, he was also looking at perhaps the two most dangerous people he'd ever met. And after spending 25 years in the wasteland before arriving at the White Spring, that was saying something. Colonel, what happens if this Night Stalker shows up? I was just getting to that. Once we've cleared the compound, I want the two of you to search every building for any evidence we can take back to Modus. Check for terminals, diaries, notes... Anything that gives us some idea of what might have happened here. Roger that. Sounds boring, Val. But okay. Just this time. Once we have everything, we'll pull back to that main building. It's a prime killing zone if we need it. That's where we'll hold for the night, and if nothing happens, we hoof it back the way we came at first light. We have about a half an hour before the sun goes down. So double check your weapons, take as much ammo as you can carry. And Lilith... Be ready to circle around to the gate. Each member of the team did a quick check of their weapons. Lilith finished up her improvised explosives and checked each magazine to ensure the rounds were seated properly, while the colonel and sergeant exchanged ammunition and distributed grenades. After a final inventory and scoping of the compound to ensure nothing had changed, Valeria gave the thumbs up to Lilith and watched her glide across the hillside, before being totally obscured by the underbrush. We give her 15 minutes to get in position. Then we head down the hill together. Valeria slowed her breathing and concentrated on the objective below. Her scars still itched, but she tried to put it out of her mind, and she wasn't anxious to have history repeat itself. Like clockwork, at the 15-minute mark, the front of the compound exploded, blowing the gate to pieces. Immediately, every scorched in the area turned to the rising smoke, and almost in unison started running in that direction. Here we go. The colonel topped the small ridge and started jogging down the incline. Right behind her, Sergeant Muller strode in his power armor, shaking the ground with every step, wielding his rocket-powered sledgehammer single-handed. Within a few seconds, the sound of automatic rifle fire echoed across the compound. Lilith had set up directly in front of the gate, behind a large fallen tree. As soon as the first scorch moved out into the open, she quickly sighted her rifle and nearly decapitated it with a controlled burst. Very quickly, more than a dozen of the creatures were passing into the gap, firing whatever weapons they happened to be holding or just running directly towards Lilith with various farm implements wielded as weapons. Valeria's jog turned into a flat run at the sound of gunfire. She slammed her back against the side of the trailer just as the sergeant crashed directly through the aluminum wall like it was tissue paper. The colonel spun around the side looking downrange toward the front end of the compound. It looked as though their plan worked almost too well, with more than 30 of the creatures massing at the gate with more blowing out of the various outbuildings. Muller, take the lead! Get over there and assist Lilith. I've got the main building. Muller didn't need to acknowledge. He just pivoted and ran. Crossing in front of another trailer, a scorch suddenly leapt from a large hole toward in the wall, stabbing out with his pitchfork. The sergeant let the momentum of his armor carry him forward, smashing the creature to the ground and squishing his head under his heavily armored foot. The gunfire rose in intensity as Lola fired back against the mass in front of her. Slapping a new magazine in place, she smiled when pulling the trigger, feeling the thrill of the kill, even as bullets whizzed past her head. She could already see the sergeant charging down, swinging his hammer to the left and right, knocking the scorch to the ground and throwing body parts into the air. 
Blocking out the mayhem, the colonel kicked in the side door to the main compound building and tossed in a frag grenade. After the explosion, she ducked inside, leading with her rifle. The blast had crippled two of the squirts, and she put a burst into both of their heads, blowing the little remainder of their brains across the floor. As the smoke cleared, she could make out the rest of the inside of the structure. At one end, there was a makeshift stage covered in various musical instruments. To her right, there was some kind of bar or kitchen with trash everywhere. There was a second floor, which she'd have to clear as well, but not seeing any immediate threats, she ran out of the main entrance and down the hill, moving to the left of the sergeant and joining in the fight by spraying the backs of the mass attacking Lilith with automatic fire. Now receiving fire from both the back and front, the Scorched hesitated. A few of them continued to fire at Lilith, but the remainder turned to deal with this new threat. The colonel was always a bit unnerved to see them acting in such a coordinated manner. It led credence to the current theory that the Scorched were all part of some kind of hive mind. Valeria ducked behind a red truck as bullets bounced off the metal near her head, but she rose again firing, taking down several more of the Scorched, spraying a mixture of blood and green gore into the air. She had to check her fire as Muller waded directly into the center of the Scorched. He knew, from long experience, how best to use his power armor, and being able to shrug off the blows from sickles, spears, and the occasional machete was a huge advantage in a close-in fight. Lilith wasn't going to let Muller have all the fun. Once the Scorched had turned their undivided attention to the sergeant, she leapt over the fallen tree, taking shots at the creatures trying to mob her teammate. The whole fight lasted only a few minutes. The colonel strode over to Lilith and Muller as they stood in the center of the mass of bodies, mostly in pieces, strewn over the ground. Lilith acknowledged Val's arrival with a nod and a wicked smile, before kneeling over a fairly intact corpse and rifling through its pockets. Larry attended to ignore what Lilith did after her fight, because it didn't do much for her appetite. Turning her back on the Major, grimacing when she heard the first snap of bone, she addressed the sergeant. Good job, Muller. I'm not going to take any chances, though. Standard sweep and clear through the rest of the compound. Any stragglers? Deal with them. I'll start in the house and you work through the trailers. We'll rally in the main building in ten, so be quick but thorough. And Lilith? You can finish that later. In fact, I'd prefer it. You cleared the main building. I saw a second floor up there, and I don't want to run into any surprises. Yes, ma'am. Lilith wiped her mouth on her sleeve, leaving a dull red smear before swallowing one last bite, further wiping her hands clean on her pants before turning and walking back up the hill. Great. Another uniform that's destined for the incinerator. As her team split off to make sure the compound was clear, the colonel checked her magazine and walked over to what appeared to be a pre-war farmhouse. Of course, like the rest of Appalachia, it had certainly seen better days. Although mostly intact, whatever paint was left had faded to a dull yellow, windows broken, and the front door was off its hinges. Treading carefully up the steps to the porch, she listened closely for any sounds of movement within. All she could hear was the whistling of the wind and the creaking of the house. It was all too quiet, but time was still of the essence. Val slowly pushed the front door open and winced when it made a shrill, creaking sound. So much for the element of surprise. She pushed the rest of the way into the house, scanning to the left and right with her rifle at the fore, and found nothing. The first floor, consisting of a kitchen and sitting area, was empty. To the right were stairs leading down and a separate staircase going up to the second floor. Nothing immediately caught her eye, so she crouched and started making her way upstairs. Peering over the top of the stairs, she could just make out a nearly petrified remains of a live scorched. It was standing in the middle of what must have been the bedroom, clutching its head, but standing completely still. The colonel raised her rifle, and the movement must have alerted the creature as it started to drop its hands. But before it could move much more, Valeria fired a burst that dropped it to the floor. 
She scanned the rest of the room and immediately identified a terminal on a small desk, still active. Well, that's a good sign that we might find some useful information after all. Marking the terminal for review later, Valeria wanted to clear the rest of the house first and headed back downstairs. Again leading with her rifle, she took each stair slowly, trying to make as little noise as possible. When she rounded the corner, she saw it ended in a basement filled with workbenches and a locked security room containing a suit of power armor and boxes of ammunition. Otherwise, the basement was empty. Well, all right then. She pulled out her lockpick set and got to work on the security door. The lock itself was easy, but the gate had rusted shut, so she had to force it open, creating a lot more noise than she wanted. Valeria took out her 10mm pistol and listened carefully for any movement. All she could hear was the wind outside and the constantly creaking house. Making sure not to put her back to the stairs, the colonel started searching through the supplies, finding a variety of ammunition, stim packs, and other sundry items. The power armor, obviously stolen or found after the bombs dropped, was an old T-51B set. There wasn't a fusion core, which probably explained why the Sons of Dane didn't use it against the Night Stalker. The rest of the basement held nothing much of interest, just a smattering of additional supplies and lots of alcohol. She ticked them off in her head. Beer, wine, whiskey, rum, beer, wine, more rum. More empty bottles adorned the shelves and had been piled in a corner. Whoever these Sons of Dane were, they certainly knew how to drink. A lot. Valeria, remembering the terminal upstairs on the second floor, went back up to investigate. It was always surprising to find intact computers, but they did provide valuable information, both pre-war and post as well. Opening up the main screen, she discovered that this was the terminal for the sons of Dane leader, Dane Rogers. From Dane to sons of Dane all. Subject, the beginning. Brothers, I want to welcome you all to the beginning of our very important movement. A movement that will lead us to being truly free from an oppressive government that is no longer on the side of the people. Clarksburg taught us a valuable lesson. No longer can we sit complacent and wait for armed men to break us apart, seize our land, or murder our ranks in cold blood. The Sons of Dane recognize no government that continues to drive our great nation into the abyss. We will fight to the death for what is rightfully ours. This compound represents more than the land it sits upon. It represents freedom. It represents opportunity. And after the inevitable collapse of organized society as we know it, it will represent the future. Join me tonight at Buck's Den, brothers. Join me for an evening of food, entertainment, debauchery, and drunken revelry. Join me to celebrate a day of glorious rebirth as the sovereign citizens of the Sons of Dane. From Polly to Dane, subject supplies. Dane, we just took inventory of the supplies we got from the gentleman who generously donated his land to the cause. We got plenty of water, but we're going to need a lot more food if we're going to survive in the bunkers for any meaningful amount of time. And a shitload more booze if we're going to do it without killing each other. Our journey to self-sufficiency starts today. Weaker men would stock up at the Red Rocket Megastop down the road. But we are not weak men. I'll see you in the hunting grounds, brother. From Clem to Dane. Subject, how long? Boss, Jackson said we're going to be crammed together in the same bunker when the bombs hit until it's safe to go outside. What? Can't I just stay out here? I won't mess with nothing while you guys are gone. Brother, you're a free man like the rest of us. So you can do what you like. But 
myself. Brothers, I welcome you to the new world. A world free of a government that works against the people. We went underground as slaves and now have emerged as free men. We have much to do. We have food, water, and now even power. But we must focus on more than survival. We must thrive in this new world. We have been given an opportunity to be the men we were truly meant to be. This will mean hard work for everybody, but nothing great in life ever comes without true dedication. Tonight, we celebrate in the Buck's Den. To the future! From Clem to Dane, subject, guard duty. Boss, listen, you know I'm a loyal soldier. I've been with the sun since the beginning, and I've done everything you said with no complaining. And I'm real grateful that you saved all our lives and all that by getting us underground when the bombs hit. I know I done brought this up like three times now, but can I please switch away from the night shift guard post at the west gate? I'll do whatever it takes. It's just that I swear there's something out there at night. Something out to get me. It's real fast and it makes these crazy noises. Every morning I see these animal corpses, completely gutted. Like something's eating them raw. Ain't no hunter or bear gonna jack them up that bad. I told Vern and he said I was just making this up so I could party at the Buck's Den with everybody else at night. That's bullshit. There's something out there. Nobody believes me. Surviving for so long underground won't mean shit if we all get eaten by some crazy night demon. First then, we were partying in Buck's Den Beer Hall when the thing busted its way inside. It was late, real late. The lights were low, and most of us had passed out. It grabbed Jackson by the leg and swung him against the wall, smashed his brains out before he could even shout. I swear, I put six bullets in the thing, but it didn't drop. By the time we got the lights back, Jackson's body and the creature were gone. All that was left was a pool of blood. Now Vern's gone. It's been a while since what happened to Jackson. A week, maybe ten days. We heard scraping on the barn wall, and we knew the thing was out there, hungry. Polly yelled at Vern to cut off the damn music, but Vern wasn't there no more. The creature pulled his dumbass right through a window. We raided our guns, but Vern must have been enough. It's picking us off one by one. Gold trail. I decided enough is enough. We need to track that son of a bitch down and end it before we all end up like Jackson and Vern. Angie is the best damn tracker in Appalachia, and it didn't take long to spot the creature's path. We followed the tracks for a while, then it just ended, like the thing vanished. Now, I'm starting to think, this thing ain't dumb. Maybe it wanted us to follow and see how many of us there were. We decided to give back to the compound before dark. Night Stalker and by Angie. So, Angie was jamming on her guitar around midnight when our hunter busted in. She cracked it over the head with her six string, but it just got pissed. It tore her chest open in one clean swap, like gutting a deer. We opened fire, but just like before, it was gone, and so was poor Angie. The thing just keeps hitting us after dark. And the sons are now calling it the Night Stalker. Whatever it is, we need to kill it before we all end up as its food. Calling all hunters. 
Jackson, Vern, Angie, and now Clem and Beeks. The Night Stalker decided to take two more sons from the beer hall tonight. There's only a handful of us left, and I don't know how to stop it. If we don't do something fast, the sons of Dane are going to be worm food. I'm going to set up a message and broadcast it for help. We need a serious hunter to take down a Night Stalker, and we need one fast. Larry has shut down the terminal. The first set of entries described these sons of Dane, and they certainly sounded like a bunch of communist sympathizers, exactly what her parents warned her about during their time in the vault. The fact that the government didn't deal with them when it had the opportunity just riled her up. It was the second set, which detailed this Night Stalker, which were of higher value to her in the here and now. If the entries were to be believed, this creature managed to come and go at will, killing these men night after night. Given the large number of weapons available and still lying around the compound, it was a distressing thought that even with such firepower, they couldn't stop this thing. While the colonel pondered the content of the terminal, she inserted a blank holotape into the machine and downloaded all of its contents. Modus would want to analyze the information and add it to his growing repository of data. After completing the task, she did another quick sweep of the house, but was unable to find anything else useful. Checking her watch, it was time to regroup back at the main building. Exiting the house, she walked back up the hill. Now seeing the main building from this angle, there was a sign across the front entrance. Buck's Den Beer Hall. So, this was the building reference in the terminal entries. As she walked in, she interrupted Lilith and the sergeant in deep conversation. Cleared the trailers and outbuildings, Colonel. Lots of booze and drugs, but not much else. Most of the structures are in piss-poor condition, which I guess would be expected. Hardly anything to eat either, Val. And all the booze tastes funny. Well, most of it has been sitting here for 25 years, Lilith. What did you expect? More importantly, did you find anything of interest? Oh, yeah. One of these guys still had his terminal open. But it was all just pre-war junk about how they came to this place. Made it sound like some sort of cult or something. Boring. Did you at least download everything, Lilith? Of course. Lilith reached into her pocket and pulled out a holotape. The colonel took it and had to wipe off some smeared blood first, then put it back into her pack. Excellent. Anything else? Nothing at all, and that's really strange. Besides those scorch we killed, this place just feels weird. I mean, pretty much the entire region's been abandoned or overrun, but this is different. Local wildlife seems to avoid this place like the plague, and get the sense that something's watching us. Lilla started absentmindedly chewing on something, and the colonel wasn't going to get close enough to see what it was. It was just better that way, but she spoke up. Lilith, would you mind paying attention? Did you find anything else? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I did find one thing. Lilith reached into her pack and pulled out what could only be described as a talon. It was darkish purple, about nine inches long, and ended in a fine tip. This was speared into the wall back there. Looks like it got caught on something and broke off. Here you go. There was a real heft to it. As Valeria examined it, turning it over in her hand, it felt just like a knife or even a short sword. She had to be careful because the edges were still razor sharp, and she knew it wasn't a blade, because it ended in what she could only identify as a knuckle. This is bad. Valeria had experience with many of the creatures of the wasteland, but the one that she had a real dread for was the Wendigo. 
Of course, she had good reason. As she reached up and felt the side of her face, the scars which started at her hairline and went down to her cheekbone, and the patch covering where her right eye used to be, were constant reminders of her last meeting with the beast. But this was different. Very different. It looked like a Wendigo Talon, but it was larger, sharper, and even a different color. Based on the standard measurements, if this was a Wendigo, it was significantly larger than any they've encountered thus far. Val, you okay? I, I'm fine, Lilith. But this confirms some of what I found in the house. There was another terminal, Dane Rogers. The Dane in Sons of Dane, obviously. Long story short, they were all slaughtered by something they called the Night Stalker. Sometime after the war, something came down from the hills whenever these guys partied, which appeared to be all the time, and started killing them. They even tried to hunt it down during the day, but were unsuccessful. And seeing actual physical evidence, we have a serious problem. This is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, fuck. Double fuck. Muller, I want you to check the perimeter. If you see anything at all, hightail it back here. Yes, ma'am. Lil, the transmission we intercepted talked about creating a lot of noise to try to draw the creature in. I am not in the mood to wait for this thing to decide it's time for a visit. Or worse, follow us on the way back to the bunker and ambush us along the way. Better that we try to deal with this thing now, when we have some cover and can be prepared. Noise? Ooh, I can make a lot of noise. For once, I'm in full agreement. Go see if you can get that jukebox working. I'm going to see what else I can find around here that might help us out. Lilith ran over to the old jukebox and started working on the wiring in the back, while Valeria rummaged around to the kitchen area, finding several grenades and more ammunition. Val, exactly how noisy do you want? Lil, shh. I want it to be loud, but not right this second, okay? Okay, okay. Jeez, just asking a question here. Yay, I knew it. Boy, they don't make them like this anymore. (laughs) Lilith, they haven't made them like that in 25 years. And no one, and I mean no one, makes them anymore anyway. Colonel, we most definitely have a problem. What did you find, Sergeant? We have ghouls massing along the perimeter. Aren't doing much at the moment. It's almost like they're waiting for something. What's the plan with the music? We'd be easy pickings on the road, or outside of Hard Shelter. This Night Stalker has got to be dealt with, and dealt with now. 
while we have plenty of ammo and a defensible location. Seems as though loud noises attract it, so we're going to play the music and Lilith is going to get creative. And as soon as this thing shows up, we kill it. Colonel, I'm totally on board, but didn't a whole gang try to take this down before and fail? They failed because they didn't know what they were up against. They were communist drunks, and they aren't us. Valeria spoke with the confidence earned from months in the wasteland and hard-earned experience, slapping a fresh magazine into her rifle, all the while while trying to keep her hands from shaking. <laughs> and I'm super hungry, too. Damn, this thing sounds too tasty to pass up. Kids today. So, it sounds like we're going to have quite a bit of company, Muller. Lilith and I will provide fire from the stage. I want you to wade into them with your hammer and keep them honest. Between us, we can pick off any stragglers until this Night Stalker shows its face. When it does, we go full on until it's dead. Do not, and I'm looking at you, Lilith. Let this thing get close to you. Only Muller, with his power armor, is anywhere near equipped to go toe-to-toe. And I don't want him doing it for long. I want to crush this thing, get our samples, and get the heck out of Dodge. Dodge? What's that? It's what my father used to say. It means get out of here as quickly as possible. Muller could only shake his head. The three teammates worked with a purpose. Tables were overturned and moved to provide a barricade against the ghouls. Lilith built some improvised explosives and laid mines outside the beer den. All of it was designed to funnel the ghouls into a killing zone at the entrance. Beyond that, they distributed their ammunition and laid out their weapons within easy reach. They all wanted to have multiple available in case they didn't have time to reload. Sergeant Muller changed out the fusion core in his armor with a fresh one and did a quick check of the internal systems. Despite its age, he had been able to keep his power armor in good condition with scavenged parts over the years, and he was an absolute expert in its use. After being satisfied and all the lights were green, he climbed back on board, the armor clanking loudly as it closed around him. The colonel waved to Lilith and gave her a thumbs up. Lilith smiled, nodded, and hit the play button on the jukebox. The mechanical arm twitched, then sprung to life, grabbing a record and inserting it into the slot. After a click, the whole building was filled with the sounds of West Virginia honky-tonk music. The stillness of the night was shattered again by the piercing howl. It was a lot closer this time, and the colonel motioned for her team to get ready. The howl was replaced with the sound of shuffling feet, the all-too-familiar sound of ghouls, lots of them. The Major and the Colonel shouldered their weapons, scanning the entrance for any sign of movement. Loud explosions rocked the building as the advancing ghouls set off Lilith's traps, each boom hopefully killing or at least disabling some of the horde. The sergeant positioned himself off to the side, clear of the entrance, but still able to see outside. He raised his sledge. Here they come! The first of them came howling out of the smoke. Several showed obvious signs of damage from the explosions, but it didn't seem to slow them down at all. Muller swung his sledge, catching the first ghoul directly in the chest, hurling it backwards out of the building. Both Larry and Lilith opened fire, their weapons ripping into the other creatures, knocking them down backwards or staggering them in place. Keep firing! Lilith reloaded as quickly as she could. Each ghoul they downed was replaced by several more. The Major couldn't help but giggle. The adrenaline was coursing through her veins and the violence was intoxicating. The smell of cordite and burnt flesh was nearly overwhelming, and she wouldn't have had it any other way. Her only regret was not being up close and personal to feel the flesh rend under her blades and fingers. The bodies quickly piled up, which allowed other ghouls to get even closer as they climbed over the corpses of those who had died before them. Even Muller was forced to back up, his 
swinging his sledge and wide arcs, helping to clear a path for the others to keep firing. One ghoul leapt over the pile and tackled the sergeant directly, blocking his vision. Valeria swiveled and emptied her next magazine into the ghoul's back, with several shots bouncing off the sergeant's armor. The now-dead ghoul slid down to the floor with Muller crushing it underfoot as he regained his position and smashed two more creatures. A very slight distraction allowed a large group to suddenly top the pile of bodies. Oh, shit. Lilith quickly eyed the entrance and reached for one of her frag grenades. She pulled the pin and threw it at the bottom of the corpse pile. Heads up! The colonel ducked for cover against the improvised barricade they created, and two seconds later the room seemed to bounce with the explosion. She immediately rose again, firing as she went, even as the bodies flew across the room. Lilith had to throw herself to the floor to avoid a torn wheel torso that smacked against the back wall and flopped to the floor, losing blood and gore. The sergeant had been close enough to the explosion to be momentarily stunned, but unhurt in his armor. Lilla stood up and fired another burst as several staggering ghouls limping and crippled from the explosion. Valeria shook her head to clear her ears from the concussion and scanned for any more targets. The front of the building looked like a butcher shop. Charred and desiccated ghouls and bodies littered the floor, mostly in pieces of various sizes. The walls were liberally covered in blood and ooze, and several small fires were started by the explosions, crackling. After all of the chaos, the night suddenly returned to near silence. Well, that wasn't so bad. I'm not so sure it's over. Did you hear that? Suddenly, the entire building shook with a large roar. A howl seemed to come out of nowhere and struck like a thunderclap. Before Muller could turn back around, he was knocked bodily off his feet, his armor crashing through one of the thick wooden tables, splintering it into dozens of pieces. The Night Stalker had arrived. It appeared in the entranceway like a demon, its green glowing body with elongated limbs, each arm ending in long taloned fingers. It was partially crouched but easily still as tall as the average man. It screamed again as it raised itself to full height, nearly eight feet tall with arms nearly as long. Its eyes, like black glowing pearls deep in their sockets, leveled themselves directly at the colonel. Oh no. Muller was sprawled out on the floor. Larry could only hope he wasn't seriously hurt. Lilla screamed a battle cry and fired from the hip of the Night Stalker, advancing on it. Well, get back! Valeria shouldered her rifle and fired again. The bullets didn't even seem to phase the beast, who crouched down on all fours and ran at them like a crab. It was terrifying as it crossed the distance between them in seconds. Lilith dropped her rifle and reached down to her hip and pulled out a wicked-looking blade, placing herself between the Night Stalker and the Colonel. The creature skittered to a stop and backhanded the Major with a swipe, throwing her against the wall. She crumpled to the floor, her arm broken and twisted underneath her. The Night Stalker leapt again, exploding the impromptu barricade and knocking the colonel to the floor. Valeria pulled out her 10mm pistol and tried to point it at the monster. It crawled on top of her, using a foot to press her arm against the floor, rendering the weapon she was holding useless. She had to use her other hand to press against the thing's chest, trying to keep its mouth away from her. Valeria was back at Atlas, staring death in the face. This time there was no Lilith. No explosion to save her. The beast's skin felt like cold, rough leather. Vile slime dripped from its mouth as it hissed at her, sizing up its next meal. Its pupil lost in the blackness of its sockets. Time seemed to slow to a crawl as it raised its talons to eviscerate her, and there was nothing she could do to stop it. As the arm came down in a swipe that would decapitate even a super mutant, an armor-clad hand grabbed the Night Stalker's arm, stopping it in mid flight. Then another hand closed around its throat. Valeria saw Muller standing behind the beast, 
He had recovered and was now using the full power of his armor to manhandle the Night Stalker. He pulled the arm back with such force as to dislocate it from the shoulder joint with a loud pop. The beast screamed and thrashed, trying to escape Muller's grip, but he held tight, even as his servos began to redline. Valeria scrambled backwards and then saw that the creature was trapped. Picking herself up off the floor, she eyed the monster before grabbing her service pistol again. It let out a final shriek, but Valeria never flinched. She raised the pistol and pointed it right between its dead eyes, even as it strained to reach her, gnashing its teeth. Valeria squeezed the trigger and blew the creature's brains out. Muller's servos finally gave out, and the now-dead creature dropped on top of the colonel. It didn't weigh as much as she would have expected for something of its size, but it knocked the wind out of her. Muller's power armor partially shut down, and he was forced to his knees as the system tried to reboot. <coughs> Get this thing off me! She pushed against the corpse, finally rolling it off of her. Pulling herself together and rising, she first went over to Muller and knocked on the helmet. You okay in there? Yeah. Knocked the hell out of me and the suit is shit, but I'm still here. And then she turned to check on Lilith. Oh God. Lilith was still lying on the floor, her breath coming out in ragged and shallow breaths. Larry ran over to check on her friend. Gingerly, she turned her over, seeing her arm at a crooked angle and obviously broken. The movement elicited a moan and a tremor, but Lilith was still unconscious. Valeria did her best to create a splint for the arm and tying it into position using rags she found in the kitchen. It was far from perfect, but at least it was something. Muller was finally able to get his armor working again. It wasn't pretty, but it was functional. He got out of his power armor to help Valeria with Lilith. Between the two of them, they finally got her propped up and got some smelling salts, and got her conscious again. Mm. Ow, ow, ow! That fucking hurts! Well, Monster Hunter, that's what you get for disobeying orders. Fuck you. I was just trying to save your sorry ass. And this is the thanks I get? Well, you can thank the sergeant for saving both our necks. Again. The thing is reasonably intact, too. So we have the honor of trying to cart it all the way back to the White Springs. Colonel, just doing my job. That creature packed quite the wallop. I only got the system to reboot at the last second. If I'd been a few seconds later, I don't know what would have happened. Well, Sergeant, either way. We're all still in one piece. Mostly. Screw you, Val. So, we need to start prepping to get the heck out of here. It'll be dawn soon, and I'm a lot more comfortable walking in broad daylight. Sergeant Muller started gathering their equipment and working on his armor in anticipation of leaving. Valeria knelt down next to Lilith and put her hand on her shoulder. No more jokes. Thank you. And don't you dare die out here. The Enclave needs you. But more importantly, I need you. We're a team till the end. You just better let me keep a souvenir. And damn it, I'm still hungry. Can you help me up, please? Valeria laughed and reached down, grabbing Lilith's good hand and helping her to her feet. A small one, Lilith. Lotus wants the rest for study. I'll give you 20 minutes to get ready, and then we're on the road south. We'll need to figure out a slut or something for the body. Muller and I will put something together. Walking around the pile of corpses, Valeria left the building to take in the night air. The sky was just beginning to brighten up on the horizon and the sun would be up in about an hour. 
She had plenty to report back to Modus, and bringing in the corpse of this Night Stalker was certainly a bonus as well. But next time, she'd be assigning another team to these cryptid hunts. Two close calls with them was more than enough for her. Luckily, they were able to rig up a sled for the body, which Muller could pull in his power armor without too much trouble. He was worried that it might attract scavenger creatures, so he covered it up as best as he could with a tarp. Lilith was constantly complaining about her arm, but the colonel thought it was mostly for the attention. Giving her a choice of souvenirs seemed to help, and after some time alone in the beer hall, she wasn't nearly as hungry either. Two weeks later, Valeria sat in her office finishing her final report on the Night Stalker. The body was down in the lab being dissected. Modus was compiling the data collected from the terminals of the compound. She kept glancing over at a holotape on the side of her desk. Sergeant Muller had brought it to her just yesterday. He said he found it amongst the scrap he collected from the beer hall. Probably been hidden underneath some trash. Must have been laying there for years. The case was stained and cracked, but amazingly enough the data was intact. Why it wasn't with the other terminals, she had no idea, and she hadn't had the opportunity to listen to it yet. She put down her pen and picked up the tape. Flipping it over, Valeria didn't see anything else of note. The stains could have been mud, dirt, or even blood for all she could tell. She sighed. She'd pay good money never to see a Wendigo again, but this was Appalachia, and the monsters were real. Sliding the holotape into the terminal, she selected play, and sat back to listen to the past. This is Dane Rogers. Maybe my last will and testament here. Try to do my best to my kin, my friends. And I'm sorry. You followed me through the strikes, the war, and now this. It should have been better should have been different. The music, the booze, the partying. <laughs> Fun while it lasted. Then it came. The Night Stalker. Killed some of our best guys. Then it killed everyone. Every night, it didn't matter. Maddie, John, Sally, and Tim. They all stood there with me. We swore we'd hunt it down and kill it. Damn, I miss you guys. Now it's just me. It took Billy last night. He'd been by my side since the beginning. He vowed he'd stay until the end. Well, we toasted last night. Drank ourselves silly with black water brew and an old possum chaser. No help. No hunters. Maybe there is no one left. Billy and I stood side by side. It came, like it always came, howling in the night. I swear we shot. We emptied our shotguns, and it laughed at us. It took Billy's head, left his body, left me alone, standing there. It just looked at me and laughed. I swear. I swear it laughed at me. I buried Billy out back with the rest. With what is left of us. Sometimes 
body or you know, just a part or sometimes nothing at all. I drink most of the day. Can't eat much. Don't want to eat, really. I just want to kill it. Tonight, it comes for me. I could run, but I know it would find me. It's got our taste. We've been feeding it for months. All my people, they trusted me. And I led them like a lamb to slaughter. No one came. There is no salvation. I'll stand tonight. Just me. Can you hear the howls? It's out there. I've got my gun. I've got my knife. And I'll be damned if I lay down and die for this freak. It's close now. The jukebox is playing. This used to be Sally's song. God, I do miss her. I can hear it now. The shuffling of feet. I can smell it. It's death. Decay. And it's coming. To whoever finds this tape. The sons of Dane died here. We only wanted freedom to do what we may. Oh, God is here. It's... No. It can't be. It's smiling at me. No. I won't go down. Go to hell, you monster! Colonel's scar was itching, and that final laugh sent a chill up her spine. She reached to eject the holotape, and hesitated a moment before picking it up. Modus. Yes, Colonel? Append this recording to the Night Stalker file. Now we know how the story ends. Valeria turned off the terminal and left her office. She needed a stiff drink. Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast, is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasts and apps. Far From Heaven. Fallout 76 story, available now. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on the Enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Mandy Marie B. as Lieutenant Colonel Valeria, XO1 King as Captain Stein, Vitriol Plays as Private Lorenzo, Austin Rogers as Corporal Jones, Cherry Pixel as Private Jackie, 
Don McCormick as Duty Officer Alexis, Keith McLean as Dane Rogers, and Brad Williams as the voice of Modus and Sergeant Muller. We'd also like to thank the Mr. Jones Show for providing our podcast cover art. You can find them on Twitter, at Media. And a shout-out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio podcast community, and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist, who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave, and God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little Enclave.